Continuing on this week in the sermon series, Lessons from the Temple, we're taking a gander. We're taking a look at one more reason why we would want to follow Jesus. Let me say that again. We're taking a close look at one of the most important reasons for us to look once again at learning about following Jesus. And this week, we're going to look at his engaging love. Have you ever noticed the truly engaging nature of Jesus' love? I'm sharing with you now from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 15, beginning with the 21st verse. We're looking at the Canaanite woman's faith. Jesus left that place and he went away to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Just then, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and started shouting, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David, my daughter is tormented by a demon. But he did not answer her at all. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she keeps shouting after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying to him, Lord, help me. He answered her, It is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. And she said to him, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, Woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you just as you wish. And her daughter was healed instantly. So ends today's rather challenging story. Well, friends, welcome back to Lessons from the Temple. Prior to looking closely at some of Jesus' most significant life lessons this summer, I thought it would be helpful once again for us to look at why we would even want to learn more about being a faith-filled disciple. In other words, what exactly is it about Jesus that's actually worth emulating? What is it about Jesus that's worth for us to continue to learn from? Why would we even be interested in more lessons from the temple, so to speak? Well, I think we'd all agree one of the most significant characteristics of Jesus of Nazareth will always be the engaging love that he showed to all people. That said, allow me to draw you further into this story by pursuing a richer understanding of the context of this event in Matthew, as well as some details of the perplexing relationship between Jesus and a foreigner, a foreign woman no less, who trusts that what Jesus provides is well worth begging for. Let's take a look. Looking at the context of this event, we make the following observations. The events of today's reading in Matthew are placed among a series of teachings, and actually, actually this event is, is in the middle of a series of pretty stiff challenges experienced by Jesus himself. Now, in this section of Matthew, Jesus is moving about, covering a lot of ground. More specifically, Jesus has been somewhere by the sea, the Bible says. He has just shared several parables 
word pictures about the kingdom of God. You might remember the stories about planting seeds, the relationships of growing and tending to the soil, the mustard seed, and other agrarian illustrations used by Jesus, all to communicate heavenly truths about God. Now, Jesus was, of course, followed by large crowds, and these crowds wanted to learn from him. But as we zoom in closer to today's event near Tyre and Sidon concerning the surprisingly faithful Canaanite woman, Jesus has, one, he's returned to his own country, probably near Nazareth, and two, he's moved back out into the countryside, according to the Bible, this time to minister to the needs of the searching, hungry crowds that have been following. As a matter of fact, not all that long ago in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus fed thousands of people from just a few crumbs of bread and a fish here and there. The Enduring Word commentary has this to say about, again, we're talking about the context of today's story. Tyre and Sidon, or Gentile cities, located some 80 kilometers away, that's 50 miles. Jesus went all this way just to meet this one Gentile woman's need. This shows remarkable and unexpected love from Jesus to this woman of Canaan. We should note here as well that Matthew's use of the old term Canaanite shows that he cannot forget her ancestry. Now, a descendant of Israel's ancient enemies comes to the Jewish Messiah for a blessing, for a healing, especially for her daughter. Accordingly, as we present the location of this event in the context of mounting conflict, one of the most important factors for setting the stage for today's story is this. Jesus has already become a major threat to the church leaders of his day. This is extremely important, especially at this point in the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus has already become a major threat to the church leaders of his day. Jesus, the country boy from Nazareth, the obviously unschooled and untrained guy with probably what would have been considered rinky-dink uh, credentials, is attracting hordes of followers. He's mounting a fierce challenge to the way the church of his day is doing business. Thereby, Jesus is threatening the pensions, the retirements, and the condos of the elite church leaders. Indeed, at this point in Matthew, Jesus has already insulted the Pharisees. He's slammed their false piety. He's pointed out how pitiful they are. And he's also thrown their empty teachings to the hogs, no less. Jesus has made it clear as well that Herod continues to demonstrate that he's as much of a lowlife as the church leaders are. All this has happened, and we're only roughly halfway through the Gospel of Matthew. So there's more going on here than just Jesus moving about the countryside, teaching about the kingdom of God. He's also in synagogues. He's also teaching. He's also being challenged by the church leaders. And he's also letting them know that who they are and what they stand for is not even close to what he's trying to teach these people. What they stand for is not even close to what God really wants. 
in their everyday lives. And for that, he's got himself in a lot of trouble. In fact, the first few words of a chapter in this subsection of Matthew says, And Herod feared Jesus. Jesus was most certainly a terrifying threat to the comfort and privilege enjoyed by both government and church leaders of his day. Yes, we often forget that the justice and mercy seeking Jesus was a considerable threat, which is what eventually got him killed. Commenting on this odd dialogue and the responsive engaging love of Jesus, this love that he shows to this pesky Canaanite foreigner, the one whom whom the disciples just wanted to be rid of, David Guzik writes this, The woman responded with great faith. She admitted her low estate. She did not debate the issue when Jesus called her one of the, quote, little dogs. She did not demand to be seen as a child. But only, her only demand was to be blessed as a dog. It was as if she had said, Jesus, I understand the focus of your ministry is to the Jews and that they have a special place in God's redemptive plan. Yet, I also understand that your ministry extends beyond the Jewish people, and I want to be a part of that extended blessing. Closed quotes. Her response is especially meaningful in light of the increasing rejection of Jesus by the Jewish religious leaders. Yes, it was as if the woman had said, I'm not asking for the portion that belongs to the children. I'm only asking for the portion, for the crumbs that they don't want. And in the flow of Matthew's gospel, there was more and more than the Jewish religious establishment did want to receive from Jesus. Interesting. The Jewish religious establishment really didn't want to receive anything from Jesus, while at the same time, this Canaanite woman was going to be happy with only the crumbs falling from the master's table. Looking back at the disciples' behavior for a moment, it's not hard to understand their reaction to an ancient enemy of the Jews, even if the Canaanite woman no doubt seemed like a harmless intrusion to them. Firstly, they may have been a bit miffed by wandering for four to five days with Jesus, way out of their own neighborhood into a very Gentile enemy territory. I'm speaking, of course, of the area of Tyre and Sidon. I'm sure for them, that whole area reeked of uncleanliness and danger, I'm certain they couldn't wait to turn around and go back home. Apologeticspress.org has this to say about traveling during the time of Jesus. And this is important and it's interesting. And I'm, and I'm quoting here. Truly, traveling in ancient times was much different than it is today. It was both wearisome and scary for people to leave the comforts and safety of their own village to journey elsewhere. In view of the many dangers that travelers encountered along their journeys, we should be even more thankful for the godly men of history who traveled great distances to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. 
Secondly, while still commenting on this scene in the Gospel of Matthew, and especially we're still talking about the disciples here as well. Secondly, the disciples may have been bothered by Jesus, by his seeming reluctance to honor cultural norms through his willingness to listen to the woman, let alone his desire to waste precious divine resources on an animal Canaanite enemy. After all, why would a good group of Moses' boys care that a Canaanite woman's daughter was tormented? She probably deserved to be in anguish, especially deserved to be in anguish at the hands of a demon. They may have thought to themselves, or maybe they even said under their breath, good riddance, be gone with you, woman. Be gone with you and your daughter. Get out of our way. We've got important things to do. And thirdly, by the time, by this time, they had to be worn out. Just look back on the many travels and locations of Jesus and in this missionary band. Note also the mounting conflict and the tension that seemed to be waiting for them around every corner. I think it's fair to say the disciples wanted to get on with their assignment, never expecting that their assignment was already standing before them, begging for Jesus to love her and her daughter enough to intervene. Has that ever happened to you? Have you ever found yourself wanting to move past the people in your presence just so that you could get on with, quote, the Lord's work? Ooh, touche, I'm guilty of that one. Lastly, as we tie up a bow around our comments on the brief biblical account before us today, what more can we say about the tremendous faith expressed by this Canaanite woman? And where on earth, where on earth can we find extravagance hidden in the crumbs thrown to her by Jesus? I think we would all agree that people have always had a way of surprising us. And given her possible circumstances, the Canaanite woman was desperate because of the emotional, spiritual, and no doubt physical condition of her own daughter. Secondly, and for some unknown reason to us, the Canaanite woman was probably aware of Jesus' abilities. She was convinced that she had nothing to lose, yet Within the whole episode, somehow she knows that just a small portion, only a crumb of grace from the table of the Prince of Peace is all her daughter will ever need in order to be healed. Yes, the healing love of Jesus is especially engaging in this story simply because it seems that it's given to an unlikely person and also simply because it's only a crumb, yet it's more than enough. His healing love is also powerful and enduring because only a crumb from his table of grace proved to be enough to change the lives of that family forever. So, as you've been following my use of the terms engaging and extravagant and now enduring, what can we take with us into the rest of our week? Many of you know that not long ago, I learned how to do short intro introductory videos to the weekly sermon. 
I still remember that my brother-in-law, who is a recording artist and craftsman in his own right, he commented that my video from about a month ago, and this, this is the word he used, engaging. And in my mind, anything engaging is like the opposite of boring and ho-hum, run-of-the-mill. Something engaging grabs your attention. Something engaging pulls you into what's happening. Something that's engaging means that it acts like a magnet, attracting you and prompting you to want more from your experience. O great healer, O sustainer, O creator, O Jesus, lead me especially this week to realize that only a crumb from your table of grace will be enough for me. Empower me as well to learn to learn love from you and your example. Teach me to emulate you. And may my love as well be so engaging it pulls others into what's happening around them. And may the love that I share with others be so engaging that it acts like a magnet, attracting them, especially attracting them to you, prompting them to want more from you as they look forward to the healing and life-changing crumbs of grace that fall from your heavenly table. And it's all these things that we pray today, this moment, and this week. Amen and amen.